Okay, uh, hello. This is a special commentary track for Back to the Future Part 2 from the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, hey Mike. Everybody. Hey. Hey. Uh, so basically in honor of back to the future day, which is as of this recording, it's next week, but on October 21st, uh, 2015, it's the day that Marty McFly travels to 2015 in back to the future part two. So something fun for our listeners. We figured that we would go ahead and record this commentary track and, uh, and, you know, have give people something to listen to while watching, watching it. Um, yes. Yeah, so, and before we get started, um, there may be a chance that Mike might drop out of the conversation and then I'll uh, recall him on Skype and it'll be hopefully seamless, but just as a precaution. Um, So, okay, I'm watching it on the Blu-ray. I'm watching the Blu-ray of it. And Mike, you're on... Okay. Oh, are you? Nice. Well, I'm I'm watching the Blu-ray version of it. I'm watching it on my iPad, the uh, digital copy that came with the Blu-ray set. There you go. So load up your Blu-ray for Back to the Future Part 2, and then once you start to see the old Universal logo coming on, that's where I'm at now, and I'm going to press play at the count of three and on go. So one, two, three, go. And we're off. Um, cool. So now I'm seeing the Universal logo, a M- an MCA company, and it's still on screen. Uh, it's still on screen, and now it's black. And now we're at Steven Spielberg Presents. And we're off and running. Awesome. So, yes. So, so we should start. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of, Matt, is queuing it up at the same time. <laughs> me you too. Know, immediately, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it back reminds in- me. Yeah, our, our, our freshman year at college, we synced up the finale of uh, Friends. Yeah. In our room, and it, it we didn't obviously we couldn't get it exactly right, so it just kind of <laughs> sounded like there was an echo. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, you know, we it was an interesting that was an interesting experience that was an interesting experiment. I'm so surprised that we never really did that with something as iconic to us as Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, so we should talk about the movie. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> So everybody knows that if if you haven't seen this movie, I think it would be weird if you listened to it with us and listened to us and watched it with us first. So go watch it and then maybe come back later. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm obviously go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying I'm I'm hoping that what we can do is we can do this without having to like call attention to exactly what's on screen. So like if people want to listen to it as if it's a podcast, they're more than welcome to do that. Um, sure. Hey, I'm look, sorry, there's Mr. Fusion. Not to, <laughs> uh, except that we, you know, we have to talk about this, the opening scene here, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and this, so go ahead. As everybody knows, the the first movie ended, you know, after uh, the denouement. Doc comes back and reveals that he's back from the future to tell Marty uh, and Jennifer that their kids are troublemakers in the future his son is is a problem in the future and so they have to go and so what they did here in the second movie is they essentially uh refilmed that whole sequence they they kind of chopped a few parts together but mm-hmm. it's generally the same thing filmed twice it, yeah four years later seamless four years later it's yeah. almost seamless it's hard to tell um so to that i say two things the first one and matt i'm asking you mm-hmm. uh 
and that's the, the easy question. Claudia Wells or Elizabeth Shue? Um, that's hard to say. You know, it's funny. I, I watched this movie at a young enough age to where I didn't really even catch it. I didn't even really notice. Um, I didn't notice for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she doesn't really have much to do. She's, it's Elizabeth Shue in this one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Um and you know, she doesn't really have that much going on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Oh, she's definitely they find a way to dispatch uh <laughs> dispatch writing for her right quite early in the movie. And we just saw the DeLorean lift off. How do you feel that the special effects hold up now cuz it, it's a little bit dodgy, but um It is, but it's so it's still so special, I think. Yeah, it kind of adds and to I the iconic uh, iconography of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think yeah. there's so much going on there that, like, there's so much to see that I'm not really distracted by the effects. I mean, it's just right. so colorful, and so fun. Um, so the other thing is, and this is kind of a major problem I have with the movie, and I hate to start us off on a bad foot because I really do love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, does the premise bother you as much as it bothers me? Um, like, oh, Dean Cundy? They... Wait, sorry. Dean Cundy was okay. the DP on this? Mm-hmm. Didn't he also do Halloween? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, um, so, so what was the question again? Uh, well, the question um, is, uh, does the premise of this movie bother you the same way it bothers me? Uh, and by that I mean... They have literally all the time in the world. As of this movie, they have 30 years to stop their kids from having trouble, but they have to go to the future. Does that bother you? You know, and, and I can kind of use that to kind of leapfrog into just a broad talk about the time travel conceit and, and film. Hey, there's the date, October 21st. Um, and I just said that we're not going to call attention to stuff on screen. I'm sorry. But... um when you think about the conceit of time travel and how you, okay, you're in a time machine and you literally have as much time as you need or as much time as you want. Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like if they were to go, I I don't know, maybe this is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe this is uh, apologizing for it a bit, but I feel like if they get close enough to the events, they run the run shorter of a risk of, um, changing stuff in a bigger way so so yeah. like like if they have 30 years before they you know need to prevent this from happening but they go back 15 years and do something then they don't know what the outcome of that in five year math um <laughs> in however much time in uh 15 years or whatever there will yeah. be um no and i see your point and and for me the rest of the movie really uh i don't want to call it seamless but it's it's pretty tight if you ask me it's all it's as almost as clever as the last one to kind of see the uh, not to kind of spoil what we're about to see but <laughs> to go to the alternate 1985 and to have to go back to the past to fix it which is something that was never done in a movie before right that stuff is so awesome but it's it's just a strange way to start this movie on you know a, a movie that is so careful i think the first one was so careful with time travel that they just um did what they did with this one it's 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 problematic i i have to think about putting it to the back of my mind every Mm -hmm. time i watch this movie well i think that's more to maybe that's more due to the fact that when they when they thought of the ending for the first one they didn't think of it with the 
um, intention of it being a sequel or anything. Right, absolutely. Um, it's a joke. So I think that they kind of they kind of wrote themselves in a corner, um, in a pretty big corner actually, but because of. Uh, um, uh, well, that said, it's kind of an indictment of the first movie too. It's it's kind of a sloppy ending to the first movie, really. Kind of, but I think it feel. I think it kind of. Um, no, I just noticed that Fusion Industries is on that dumpster, uh, hmm. that building where they just parked. Huh. I didn't notice that. I didn't catch uh-huh. that. Hmm. I did. Um. I did notice, or one thing that I always notice. Uh, or, or to go back to the point of the ending of the first movie, um, I feel like that kind of just carry that that kind of leaves on. Um, I don't find that problematic of that movie at all. I think it's just uh, that it's kind of a um, it's in t- it's in tune with the adventurous spirit of the movie. I guess it leaves on such a nice like adventurous moment. Like yeah. they're they're going to have more adventures. So even if they didn't have a sequel, then um, then it would be uh, a, a good standalone movie. Um, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So how? So, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> so how did you? How did you feel about uh, the depiction of 2015 when you first saw this movie compared to <laughs> your life now as someone in the in 2015? Yeah, you know, I was just uh, just gonna say, just gonna point it out. We're about to see. Are you releasing this on the 21st? Yes. We are about to see today depicted in a movie. Right. And that kind of hit me uh, a couple days ago that, you know, people are making a big deal out of seeing it. And I, and I love the movie, of course. Back to the Future is my favorite movie I've said on the podcast before. But right. it never really seemed all that important to me to kind of see it on the 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I knew that I would because it would, it, it's kind of what you do. And as a fan, it's what you would do. But, to think this is this is today this is a depiction <laughs> of this day is a very strange odd uh disorienting feeling i think it's very strange oh yeah yeah um, um but as far as when i was a kid i got to say and i might have said this before so if you're a long time listener i apologize but i've got to say that um I think that I've seen Back to the Future 2 more than any of the other ones. We Oh, interesting. My, uh, yeah, an uncle of mine used to kind of uh double dub movies for us and kind of make Oh copies. yeah. Yeah, I think I mentioned this. And so this is one of the movies I like to call a babysitter movie. Mm-hmm. Uh when they w- if I had a babysitter or my parents didn't want to watch me, they would just put on a movie. And so this was a movie we watched just kind of I mean in rotation a couple times a day. <laughs> um certainly a couple times a week. But nice. to answer your question, the first time I saw it was probably shortly after it came out. So I was maybe five. Um, and the first thing I remember, the most specific thing I remember, and I'll try not to talk about it too much because this is not a sports podcast, is that <laughs> they depict uh, that the Cubs have won the World Series. Did you notice that when Marty picks up the newspaper, it's that's the first shot of that is that in the left corner it says... Uh Cubs sweep series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, and I love that. It's, it's, it's special to me. I grew up in Chicago. I've been a Cubs fan my entire life. The Cubs last time they won the world series is in 1908. What's so special about it is that people have been talking about this year for the last couple of years, uh, with regards to the Cubs. Um, and so 
they have not been great the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, as of Wednesday night, moved on to the National League Championship Series. So they are four games from going to the World Series. So <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is pretty incredible. Um, it's so awesome. And I, and I just kind of want the other teams to lay down and just give it to the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would, uh, like, I'm not an, I'm not a sports person at all. I'm not a baseball person. Um, but I, I, I feel like I would, I'd be rooting for them if only because I want, uh, I want Back to the Future to in some way be, um, prescient, I guess. Mm hmm. By the way, so as he's walking into Hill Valley and it does the the same establishing shot of the village, the, mm-hmm. the village, the town uh, that it does in the first movie, he you know he almost gets hit by that car. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty close reenactment of the first movie, right? Right. I love that. Yeah. Um. So we're getting just inundated in this scene with just tons of future tech. Um. Really, none of which has really ever uh, has come to fruition. Um, uh-huh. But I do love that the Jaws Robots nineteen in the Texaco, yeah, and then yeah. the Jaws nineteen hologram. It's like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's uh, that, that's just that's three uh, D is is such a uh, piece of of current day fad, I guess. In movies, yeah. um, I hope at least. I'm still not. Don't think I'll ever be sold on 3D, but yeah. um, I'm definitely not. I think the Goldie Wilson the third thing is a bit of a stretch. That's that's kind of an attempt uh, to just get another reference in there. That's, yeah, that's and a it's a little much, and it's Although, redundant. Yeah, it's you have re- the bushes winning mm-hmm. all the time, right? That's There's true, that. but it's it's redundant because. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that Goldie Wilson the third was uh, the car salesman guy. But um, so, like, okay, we—I guess it's not redundant. But um, and then he passes by before um, a poster for re-elect Goldie Wilson Jr. So we get, you know, two generations of Wilson future um, in that establishing shot of 2015. Uh huh. Um, so it's just kind of—I don't know—it's a little redundant to have the have Mary Goldie Wilson or Goldie Wilson the third or whatever be on that screen so soon after establishing the uh, reelect Goldie Wilson Jr. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Cafe 80s. Cafe 80s is a strange thing. Um A I don't think we're all that nostalgic about the 80s. I think we're mostly <laughs> embarrassed by the 80s. Yeah. So this kind of stuff doesn't exist. And also diners don't kind of stay diners and evolve. I think they they overestimated the idea of a diner. <laughs> Uh, continuing to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's such a, uh, it's such an exact replica or the, the, at least the, the set design of it is such a, such a replica of the, of the one in the, the fifties that it's kind of, it adds another layer of, of, uh, unbelievability, I guess, or disbelief to it. But I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, you're gonna say. Oh, I was just gonna say, but then, then again, this entire this entire sequence is is just to reestablish or, or um, call back. It, it's a series of callbacks for the uh, his oh, entrance yeah. in the oh, first yeah. one. So, right. So something interesting about this scene, and really all the 2015 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so to, to analyze it, if we think about what people in 1987, 88 thought, um, that people in 2015 would look like, <laughs> I love the idea that they imagine it as this really radical, very colorful. People are all kinds of mismatched colors and it's, it's kind of like the return of neon. Um, and so one of the things I've thought about a lot with some of my friends is like what the identity of the 2010s is, mm-hmm. right? Like what is the style? Like we know what the style of the 80s was, right? We can pinpoint that immediately. Right. We know what the style of the 90s was. We can pinpoint that. I would argue we can even kind of pinpoint what the 2000s is like. But when I think about the 2010s, is it like like kind of the it's kind of a hipster minimalist type of era, right? Yeah, totally. And so people kind of have that that haircut that's kind of a it, it kind of it's like the gentleman's haircut that's kind of faded the size and combed over, which is very evocative of like the '60s or mm-hmm. interestingly enough, even the '50s. Huh. Right? right? People have the haircut today that George McFly had in 1955 in the first movie, right? That's true. Yeah. And so. You know, people think back to the 80s and they're like, oh, man, they looked ridiculous. People think back to the 90s and they're like, oh, man, they looked ridiculous. Even the 70s, oh, man, they looked ridiculous. <laughs> but nobody looks back on the 60s and the 50s and said, oh, those people looked stupid. It's all, oh, those people looked really sharp. Huh. And so, so my point is in the 80s when everybody looked radical and everybody looked so stupid in the 80s, of course they would think, people in 2015 would look more stupid holy crap yeah that's absolutely yeah i think you're right on the money that's amazing thank you rather than this kind of um you know we've gone back to like a a cleaner look a more professional look yeah uh, a a nicer look it's it's so interesting to me that if if this actually was 19 or 2015 it would look more like 1985 than or look more like 1955 than 1985 yeah absolutely that's yeah that's spot on i can't i totally agree and it's it's funny i think it's a reflection of them not being uh people in the 80s not being uh (laughs) self-aware and definitely yeah that's an interesting angle i never i never considered that um when thinking about the fashion, I just thought that people just imagined uh, future to be just overindulgence and and things and and trying to go for like you like you said with the mismatched um, colors and all that and kind of vibrancy of of um, fashion in the future. I, I just felt like maybe that's that was just people's depiction of the future as, as just being overindulgent and, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a word keyed up, but I, I, it dropped out. But um. So here is a, a character trait of Marty that was not necessarily there in the first place, but they definitely put in here to kind of pay off later. The, uh, the nobody calls me chicken thing. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you feel about that adding to it? I, I was kind of surprised going um, when I first saw 
the whole trilogy outright because I'd seen like clips of the third one. I remember one of my memories of of the trilogy being um, the whole aspect of him being called a chicken. And I think the first time I ever saw the first one all the way all the way through, I was surprised that it wasn't a part of the a yeah. part of the character. How, how did yeah. you feel about them adding that in for the sequels? Well, you know, um, I acknowledged or I realized that they were just in the sequels around the same time that I realized that the sequels were filmed at the same time. And they kind of, right. um, they're complementary, and I think are quite different from the original. I, I, for a long time loved the series and touted the series as the, the greatest series ever. But, mm-hmm. uh, I've kind of since gone back on that i know i keep dogging on this movie i really do love this movie <laughs> um but now if i'm talking about my favorite movie it's really just back to the future right but, uh, it's you know it makes sense that they I, I think that type of personality trait is in marty in the first one not that he says it explicitly but um you know he's kind of cocksure and and uh, he's willing to fly off the handle and stuff like that. So I I can imagine that the nobody calls me chicken. Somebody calling him chicken would um, would bother him a little bit. But it is it is an obvious setup for a payoff later on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I feel like it's it's probably for the best that they added this for the sequels because if you think about it in the first in in the first movie, a big part of his character arc is that he's he's you know not really that confident I, I guess or not really that sure of himself really right um and i feel like the alternative to um inventing this character trait for the sequels um specifically for the sequels the alternative to that would be to revisit that um lack of confidence and kind of expand it for the sequels and i feel like if they were to do that then it would be uh it would have been detrimental to the memory of the first movie because it would have just been retreading old territory for and, sure. and for sure. yeah and undoing really strong character growth i agree yeah in this scene where they crash into the uh town hall always first of all the wire work is just egregiously um not bad but it's just it's like really it's really out there like it they're clearly like just being propelled from wires it's it's not really uh that clear yeah. clear cut um and, but it, uh the story from the set is the 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 stunt coordinator the lead stunt person was severely injured uh in that stunt oh really like life altering injured yeah holy crap uh, i didn't know that just didn't just didn't work out exactly the way it was and uh legend has it you can kind of see uh the woman hit uh the, the column close to us if you're if you're looking for it Huh. And the uh, clock tower has never been uh, um, fixed. And actually, the there's a, the ledge where Doc falls down, or in the first busted. one is missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Cool. Cubs win. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except that they're <laughs> the team from Miami in real life uh, is not the. The Alligators. It's the yeah. Marlins. <laughs> the Marlins are also in the National League. So, but uh, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's... Put the, the money on the cabbies. 
<laughs> so the sports almanac. This was a kind of uh, not necessarily a point of contention for me, but for one thing, I oh, always really? thought. Well, sort of. I mean, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I don't know. For on one hand, it's like I love it as a prop. Like I, something about the how the texture looks on it I, and the way that they handle it is just. I don't know. It's it's such a weird well, feeling. I, I believe it's real for sure. If that's what you're getting at, like I believe that there are pages and statistics in there. Right, and that, but that's the thing. Like it's also it seems a little a little small. To hold that much, uh, <laughs> that many statistics. Yeah, I um, guess that's true. Yeah, and that's my own, that's nitpicking at best. And I mean, if they were to have like an actual, like, you know, large um, thing, it wouldn't, it would lose that kind of uh, the the pleasantness of the texture on screen that the right. prop has in the movie. I, uh, there was a, um, Shoot, what was it? I'm going to say ESPN, but I'm sure somebody else put it out, so I apologize for my lack of journalistic integrity. <laughs> but uh, somebody posted a a sports almanac for the next 30 years huh. uh, that predicted other events, and it was the Cubs winning the series a couple of other times. Nice. Cubs sweep the series in five. Huh. I mean, it's a best of nine in the future. Would that be the case? I mean, if it was if they sweep it in five games, that means oh, sweep it, won. so they would have to win each one, yeah, right? Five in a row. Yep. Huh. Hmm. Marshall Did you... runs three minute mile. <laughs> Did you notice the um, the USA Today camera? That's kind of kind of there. It, don't they use that kind that type of technology for uh, sports and stuff? Like kind of a a freestanding camera, or am I in, imagining that? Oh, I don't know. Huh. Hmm. Um, what I would give to have a pair of those sneakers, and I know obviously <laughs> they have those now. They don't. They don't self lace. Oh, that's lame. Uh, but they have made versions of that shoe, and I think it's awesome. That's that's cool though. They also have pre- uh, Pepsi Perfect. They do. Um. Yeah. The. Uh, the just the 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 style of clothing. The um. What is it? The the fitting. Or the what is with the auto dry? Um, yeah, it auto dries and it and it self the sleeves self adjust. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and of course Jennifer just you know is getting uh, taken away. That's such a that's such a plot convenient device. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to go as far as saying contrivance, but it's we need to, we need to do something about Jennifer, so they do. Right. Um. So I believe that Hill Valley is real, but how much does this alley look like a set? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it really does. Now that you mention it, it it really does. Um, I do love the entire Hill Valley set, though. Yeah. So um, it just all, all three years. Yeah, it just it looks so pi- uh, picturesque, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and just gorgeous. Um, I think it's funny that uh, the cop says that she um, hopes she looks this good when she's 47. Or I think it was 47. Um, yeah. And uh, that's kind of – it's funny because when you think about it in context of uh, present day, it's kind of, kind of funny because, I mean, looks are really important and um, for people today. And, like, there's there's such a 
stigma, I guess, about um, uh, uh, like plastic surgery and everything like that. You would think that uh-huh. um, they would. I don't know if that's. I don't know. It, it, it's just interesting to me that um, they would make that comment, but interesting yeah. from a from a, the perspective of someone in the 2015. Yeah, you know, one thing that we didn't mention was uh, was uh, Doc's facelift. Yeah, and how he wore a mask. The first several times I saw it, I didn't get it. I thought it was a weird, a weird visual gag. I mean, it is a weird visual gag. Um, yeah, but I thought it, I. I I thought it was absolutely nothing, but the fact is they put they put the makeup. The idea is when they filmed the first movie, they put makeup on him for the 1985 version of Doc. Right mm-hmm. there, they they aged him slightly. Right, and so since he's in this movie, and they didn't want to have to put makeup on him every day, they decided to give him <laughs> a face look face lift and make him look more like he looked in the 1955 version so he he actually does look a little more aged in the beginning of this movie and then he peels that off and and he looks like the 1955 version right it's an interesting uh uh corner cutting measure i guess yeah 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 um but but paid off with a fun visual gag i yeah oh totally It it totally landed um I want to mention that I want to talk about the TVs, but um, uh, the use of biometrics to to enter and uh, doors and everything. I feel like that's one of the um, one of the main things in terms of future future depictions. Um, uh-huh. There's such a there's such a an emphasis put on that, and I feel like that's something that's not really not really happening. <laughs> Um, oh, you don't think so? Not well, well not for right, like you're right. It hasn't yeah. it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I yeah, not to this level. Apple did it. Apple did it the most mm-hmm. with their thumbprint recognition. Right. But yeah, you're right. It it hasn't been done. Yeah, not to this level. And that's Michael J. Fox, right? It is. Yeah. And it kind of grosses me out a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And we should also definitely talk about uh, uh, the whole ordeal with uh, Crispin Glover. Um, it is, and and it is uh, it's an ordeal is the way to put it. So this man's name, the guy who's hanging upside down, the actor's name is Jeffrey Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, the story goes well. There are, there's several stories. You know, the studio says that he. Um, kept wanting as much money as Michael J. Fox and they wouldn't give it mm-hmm. to him. And that but he says he doesn't he doesn't like the way the first one ended and kind of was just like no all along. Right. It's it's so it there's there's conflicting um there there's not a really clear story about what it is, but it is. Yeah. And and so I think for the sake of uh again journalistic integrity here <laughs> I think we I think we should stick to maybe this performance and how we feel about it rather than conjecture and speculation. Yeah. So if you if you want to know the sides of the story, um there's a great book that I read. It's called We Don't Need Roads: The Making of Back to the Future Trilogy by Cassine Gaines. Oh nice. Uh, and it kind of goes, yeah, I, I read it over the summer. 
in like two days. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and it kind of goes over both sides as in-depth as possible. There are several interviews with Crispin Glover. Um, there are no interviews that I know of of Robert Zemeckis talking about the subject. So if you want to know, you can look that stuff up. But um, to go back to Jeffrey Wiseman, mm-hmm. they kind of found him. He was kind of a really small, small character actor. He was in a couple of things. Uh, and they got him in. And uh, do you know how they did his makeup? Uh, no. Was it from a mold of um, Crispin Glover's face or something like that? Yes. They yeah. took a mold of Crispin Glover's face to age him, right, in, mm-hmm. in 1985. And they used that mold to create prosthetics to give to Jeffrey Wiseman. So it just – it's weird looking. It's especially weird looking in the 1955 scenes. Yeah. Or 2015? Or, oh, yeah, uh, 1955. I got you. Yeah, the, the, that, that stuff is actually refilmed. Like when he punches okay. that, that's, that's refilmed stuff. Yeah. It's funny, or it's interesting because that actually led to Chris McGlover suing. And, uh, because of that, I th- I believe he won the lawsuit and, and it got like r- rules changed in, um, the Screen Actors Guild. Right. Which is weird. Just, Excessive. Just just excessive. Excessive uh, for him to... On his part. Really? You think so? To get get litigious about the fact that they took molds and then used molds to make shot... I mean, it's not even about the character. Like, they owned the character. He had no rights to that character. Sure. Well, yeah. I don't know. It it just seems... I mean, legally speaking, I, I suppose I get it. Um, I, I just don't like the curmudgeon perspective there. I can, I can agree with you there. I can, I can see your point, but I think that there is definitely something to be said about, um, them using Crispin Glover's likeness, um, to such an extent where they actually cover, cover the face of, of another actor in a certain, um, with prosthetics to make him look like, the previous actor. I mean, it would be one yeah. thing to completely recast. And also it's, um, he's, he's clearly doing the George McFly affectation that, Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. That, oh, that, sure. I mean, and maybe that's not that, that's not that big of a deal. Um, just because anyone, anyone recasting or taking on a role is going to have their own input to it, but it's still going to be something in line with, um, the original performance uh, to at least some extent. And, but I mean, that's like a clear, um, clearly emulating the previous actor's performance because they couldn't get the previous actor. Yeah. Um, here's the thing that I wish we had the hydrator, hydrator. Yeah. And look how beautiful that looks. Oh, that pizza. Uh, so, it also looks cardboard as hell. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, but it looks and delicious. Some fake dry ice came off the top of it or something because that <laughs> is not hot pizza, right? Um, when Crispin Glover first came out, or when uh, Jeffrey Wiseman first came out wearing the Crispin Glover makeup, the first thing mm-hmm. that Leah Thompson said was, "Um, oh, Crispin's not gonna like this." <laughs> and so. Leah Thompson and uh and Jeffrey Wiseman apparently did not get along well on the set. Not that they mm-hmm. not that they butted heads, but there was um you know, she had a rapport with Crispin and it just, right. it's just just odd. 
Did you hear her episode of Nerdist? Yes, I did. Gosh, she was a treat. She right. She's she seems like such a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, sure. just such it was, that was a good episode. Um, for sure. So, it being 2015, uh, Mike, do you wear two ties to work? Um, not in one day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't either, but yeah. I do like how um. Marty's ties, like they're they're separate, but I mean, is it supposed to be one tie, just with two knots, or or what? But uh, uh, I don't know. It's even it even has the button in the middle, which is weird. Yeah, but it's there. It's, he is with the nobody calls me chicken again. Right. <laughs> by the way, uh, needles played by Flea, Flea. from Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's also going to be in part three, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so they have both screens, um, and then also they have window window television screens. Yeah, which I really like. I, I do too. I think that that's, that's a nice commentary, um, whether intentional or not. It's it's kind of a an interesting subtext to the movie in that we watch, we're so involved with TVs, we're not looking outside, so might as well mm-hmm. cover the windows with, with screens. That's... Something you you don't really get that kind of that kind of subtext in in Back to the Future. Yeah. Um. Um. Fax machines. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's no, just adorable. No. no. <laughs> Not quite. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Were in the Van Gogh on the screen. Were. <laughs> Fax machines new in 1985? Please enlighten me. Not really, right? Um, I want to say that they they were pretty popular in the the early 80s, maybe. Um, but I mean, even by 1985, I would think. Well, I don't know. Maybe they were because I know that they were they were pretty prevalent in the 90s. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Um. If anything, uh, you know, we kind of deride the movie for um, using fash, fa- uh, fax machines, but I do, I do like the how uh, optimistic they were about the speed of the printing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've got well, that going for it. Now, Elizabeth Shue's hair. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about fainting in movies? You know, I was going to bring that up, actually. Um, not a fan. I hate it. It's, I hate it. It's so weird. Like, and it's such, it's, it's kind of intrinsically tied with, uh, damsels in, in distress. Uh huh. Um, and just really anytime I see it after a certain point in, in cinema history, like in a, like in this movie, <laughs> it's like, I don't, I do. I just can't buy it. I just can't buy it that something would be. So, I mean, in this scenario, sure, it might be a little, a little bit appropriate that you know you you have such a shock of seeing yourself um, that you pass out. But it's also like anytime you see someone pass out because the sight of blood, because the plot uh, necessitates them passing out. I just, I have a hard time buying into it. I don't know anybody who's ever fainted. Me neither. 
I almost blacked out once because I was on Vicodin after having my gallbladder taken out, and I tried to go. To, I tried to get up and go to the bathroom, but wow, I never blacked out. I didn't. I, yeah. That was me almost blacking out. <laughs> so this movie, so they're leaving. So that's it. We just we just got the whole the entire October twenty first two thousand fifteen experience. How do you feel? It was uh, look like today. It you know it was it looked like it's going to be a good day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. The, the I, Cubs play on that day. Actually, they can't they can't win by then. But uh, yeah. Well, good luck to the Cubs. I do I do want to mention that I think that part of the trivia for the. Um, for the detail of the cars in in 2015 in this movie were was that they used uh concept cars and they kind of i oh, think the that cool. they used concept cars i think that that really helped sell it like i mean if certain certain aspects of it were kind of cheesy and a little a little silly and everything but i think the this showing the cars the the style of cars was pretty much on point not not necessarily uh accurate but it was a it was a very it sold me on it being the future basically oh for sure that that looks futuristic oh yeah um and so we're getting rid of jennifer for the rest of the movie right you know what's funny about this one is um when there's bars on the windows (laughs) anyway uh when I remember this movie and when I think when people remember this movie, especially when I talk to young people and I talk to young people every day, obviously, right. um, and I talk about Back to the Future and, and I say Back to the Future 2 and they're like, oh, when's, when's the one where they go to the future, where it takes place in the future? <laughs> like, well, that's Back to the Future 2. But, um, you know, all this business we're making out of the fact that it's October 21st and the second one is the future one. They really only spend a third of the movie in the future. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, you're right, and, and it's it's interesting how the story is broken down in this movie. It's you know they spend a third of the movie in in 2015, probably a third of the movie in alternate 85, yep, and then the last third, feet. yeah, and then the last third in uh, 1955 fixing it. Is it? Uh, I might be jumping the gun, but is it? I love this scene. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, can you imagine being in that? To anyone in that situation, really? <laughs> yeah, this is just. I mean, seeing seeing them like the imagining going into a going into a house thinking that it's that it's your own or and then and then having it be a house that's not your own and then like everyone involved in that situation is just is just in a really bad place yeah Um, that might make me faint (laughs) yeah yeah there you go me too (laughs) so how do you pretty yeah go ahead uh how do you feel about alternate 1985 it's this feels real this is accurate i think sad Um, but yeah it's sad but true. You know, this is kind of this this nineteen eighty five, this is Hillville Hill Valley, California, and the idea that one man can kind of change this. I don't know that one man could, but I look at this in nineteen eighty five and I think, well that's Robocop. Oh right? yeah. That's Detroit. Huh. 
And so this is this is a um it's a very possible, it's very plausible mm-hmm. uh a 1985. It's it's more accurate, I think. It looks more like Detroit 1985 than 2015 looked, you know, California 2015. <laughs> right. It uh it looks a lot like um it looks a lot like Ro- RoboCop Detroit or present day Detroit. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little looks a little nicer than present day Detroit. <laughs> right. So a running gag through all the movies is Strickland and his 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 hard on for yeah. There you go for uh, for, for his slackers hard on for punctuality. Yeah, and for for people being slackers and and yeah. it's. I mean, it's it's an interesting kind of through line for that particular character. It's a little, it's a little funny in the third one because it's kind of a throwaway scene in the third one. But um, I think it's kind of scary that you know in this alternate nineteen eighty five, students are you know trying to kill him. Yeah. Man, that's a this is a disturbing scene. It really is. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the guy from the bench. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who he is. Is He's just on the bench in the first movie. Crazy drunk drivers. (laughs) I thought he was supposed to be like someone like big within the canon of, of the movie. Of the oh, franchise, I, I can't remember. I don't think so, yeah, um, yeah, and this is kind of a uh, <laughs> bikers in in the uh, RoboCop. Yeah, bikers in the in the eighties, even late seventies, eighties, and and in the into the nineties, that bikers were kind of big. Uh, they were they were pretty. They were used frequently in movies as kind of, you know, nefarious people and, and atmosphere uh, tone establishing scenes like, you know, grimy looking kind of environments, I guess. Mm-hmm. What I like about this second act of the movie um, is that, you know, the first one is very much a retread of the events of the first one. The first act is a retread of the events, the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third act is literally the first movie. He steps into it. Oh, there's, uh, right. Mad Dog. Yeah. Uh, and that, but this one is, it, it kind of stands on its own. We, this is more time than we spend in 1985 in, in either movie. Yeah, that's true. Previously. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we're about to get to one of the more disturbing sequences that I'm, I'm not too sure about, um, uh, with Lorraine. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little disturbing. Yeah, you say not too sure. Do you feel like, uh, maybe it doesn't fit, doesn't work, doesn't make sense? I think that it, it fits to an extent, but I think that it's just they did a little too much with it. It's a little too. It's a little. It's just a. It's a bit too dark. Um, because she's it's kind of. It's a bit of, too dark, 
and it and it um I mean obviously it undoes some of the things that happen. It's an alternate right. reality. That's the whole point. But it also uh I feel like it undoes some of the confidence that even Lorraine gains in the first movie. Mhm. She's kind of like a prisoner. Oh yeah. And for it's sure. I think that's what's most unsettling. Yeah. But then again, cleavage. Then again, cleavage. <laughs> when uh, it blacked out there for a second after they hit him on the head, I thought my iPad like glitched for a second. I was like, we're going to have to redo this whole thing. <laughs> oh, that would be a disaster. <laughs> Boobs. Man, that is a, a set of heavy prosthetics, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> is she wearing a chest plate? What is going on there? I... Did, she, did she address... She said... Um, didn't she say this was like her favorite part to play in the entire series? <laughs> Just because it was her chance to do something different? Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I think she said that. I think so. But that makes, I mean, that makes sense. I, I can, I can see that, but I still just, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it feels just wrong to me. Um, did you ever watch Caroline in the City? Oh my god, no, I never did, but she, she was, that was her show, right? That was her show. I didn't realize wow. till, uh, probably the DVDs came out when I was in high school. Huh. Uh, that she was, she was Caroline from the city. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I never, I mean, that show ran pretty, pretty, pretty long, so. It did. I liked it. What do you think of Biff yeah. as 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 a villain character? Um I think he works best in 1955. I think that feels the most real in 1985. And you know what's interesting is um we have been talking lately in class about uh bullying, <laughs> which I know sounds like an elementary type of thing to talk about, but right. basically one of the things we've concluded is that bullying is now cyberbullying and there's not a whole lot of shoving dudes around and um but like the stereotypical 1950s bully it, it, that's pretty accurate. I think that's pretty good, but um outside of that setting, I I think he's over the top and rings a little untrue for me. Yeah, I I agree, and that's interesting that you Mentioned that about cyberbullying being kind of the new bullying. Um, yeah, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but did you feel like in high school, did was that kind of... I feel like in, in our time, and, and maybe my... Like, your mileage may vary, but like in our time, we were in high school from, what, 2000, uh, 2001 to 2005? Um, and it seems kind of... It seems like, like in that time frame, we were kind of in an in-between thing where it wasn't like pushing and shoving kind of bullying but it was also like kind of the start of like the emotional like cyberbullying kind of transition yeah, i guess that's true that's true so i don't know it's a weird thing yeah but biff like like you said uh biff's kind of uh pushing and pushing in uh physical bullying in 55 fits but yeah any he loses some he loses some um fear like like he loses some of his intensity in other timelines because it he becomes a little too over the top and cartoonish for sure yeah. 
Also cleavage. Also, there's cleavage there. Yeah. But it's not even good cleavage because she's all like drunk and gross. Yeah, that's true. And then that also kind of, I, I can, oh, I guess I'm kind of grasping here, but, um, I mean, that, it's kind of interesting to see that come into play. Her being, um, you know, all drunk and, you know, the implication being that she's, you know, kind of, uh, an alcoholic and, you know, we know. She is anyway. In the original 1985. Right. You could say that this is 1985 C, you know. Yeah, that's true. And so in 1985A, she was an alcoholic. Right. I always read this, um, that they, they killed George McFly as a way to not have in the, in the movie, like to get around the Crispin Glover issue. But, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's in most of it. Yeah, it's. Not most of it, but a lot of it. It's funny. I, I kind of, uh, I kind of saw this as, and this is just purely my interpretation of it. I kind of saw it as, um, kind of a screw you to Crispin Glover. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely how I see it. For yeah, sure. yeah, agreed. It feels like a lot of time has passed between Doc and Marty being together. I mean, because they kind of parted ways um, <clears throat> when they dropped off uh, Jennifer. Uh huh. And then now Marty's just kind of been on his own. And it, it feels like a long stretch, um, so it's nice to see them back together. I uh, I've always wondered like how Doc and Marty became the friends that they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people have. It's it's kind of um, it's kind of weird. Have you have you watched any of um, uh, Rick and uh, Rick and Morty? I haven't. Oh, I just, I just started, I just started it, um, like a week ago and it's, it's like, it's like this dynamic, but if, uh, if Doc was a, uh, <laughs> if Doc was an abusive drunk or like a, like a really, um, if he was like an insane person basically and, uh, if, if Marty was, um, like just about to be, uh, was was much old, much uh, much much uh, younger, and if uh, Doc was his grandfather, it's an interesting show, made by Dan Harmon. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh, this scenes like this are always when I feel like they're explaining it to the people who don't get it right yet. Right, and then. The, seeing the visual representation of like did he need to have the chalkboard there to to show <laughs> like okay you had a tangent line and I, I like the visual representation of it but it's also like it's that's it's it's a little silly yeah but, do you remember the first time you saw this movie um i i do it's it's you do that's awesome yeah i it's well I remember the first time I saw pieces of it. I remember seeing it on TV like when I was fairly young and I mean maybe this goes back to why I why I'm attached to the like uh the MacGuffin device of of the almanac uh the sports almanac because I I just loved later in the movie when when uh Marty is trying to get it back it's he's fumbling through it as as 
Biff is driving away or is driving with it. And I, I just liked that kind of physical comedy and physical suspense when I saw it on TV, when I saw it on TV. But I actually, I believe the first time I ever watched um, these movies all the way through, I think it was when I blind bought it, like maybe freshman year of high school on DVD. Um, oh, well, gotcha. Yeah, so I was pretty, I was, I was pretty old when I when I got around to actually seeing it properly. Um, I'd seen bits and pieces, or should I say, biffs and pieces. Um, hey, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> how about you? When was the? Well, well, I know um, that you. Well, like I said, I can't, I can't remember the first time, and I, and I really hate that. I wish that I could. Right. Um, but I can tell you some significant times that I that I remember. Nice. Um, I definitely remember watching it like at home, uh, in during the summers, uh, just kind of over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when part three came out on VHS, and I watched the second one again right before it to make sure that I was caught up. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing it uh, on TV. Like several years later, but well, what felt like several years later was probably five years later. But <laughs> when you're when you're eleven, it feels like several years later, right? Um, and kind of understanding for the first time why it's alternate and and uh, there's Clint Eastwood, um, right? Understanding why it's alternate, understanding that he's back in the original movie, and um, it's an interesting kind of thought process and and thinking game about you know what do kids think about when they watch an early movie and i definitely didn't uh didn't think about the fact that he was in the events of the first movie and that was so cool so we almost got boobs in this scene yeah (laughs) that's a hell of a transition um yeah yeah, interesting it's uh you know this was uh, oh this was would this be before pg-13 was a thing uh no, this was just no. after. Okay, and was this PG thirteen? This is a PG thirteen PG movie. Really interesting. But yeah, almost boobs. Neat. Yeah. Let me make sure. I'm not so sure that it's PG now. Ah. Hmm. Um, there was a newspaper in, in the scene before this that. Apparently, one of the I think one of the articles was uh, Nixon seeks fifth term, and uh, <laughs> I thought that was, that was that's cute. Yeah, it is PG by the way. Oh, nice. So hmm. I remember seeing this when the DVD came out for me. It was a it was a big deal. I remember my friend who lived across the street. He also loved it, and we had kind of seen it on TV a couple times. But like it coming out on DVD was a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, and I believe that I got it for Christmas that year. Oh, nice. And I remember, um, asking for it. Here's one asking for it on full screen, like <laughs> wanting to get the full screen version. Cause I hated widescreen. Right. And my mom accidentally getting the widescreen version for me <laughs> and being like, uh, oh, well, whatever. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> here's here's one uh when i blind bought the blu-ray set it was the it was the uh collection you know obviously and the way that it had it was the cover was a basic plastic box and it had the you know um the plastic uh, uh screen holding in the uh 
the paper um, yeah. cover. Did you not have a sleeve on I, yours? I did, but gotcha. the way that I got the, the – somehow the sleeve, I think when I, when I tried to put it on the first time after taking it out for the first time, when I put the sleeve back on, it bent the top of the plastic on the back of the case. Oh. Yeah, and it bent it yeah. so much that it creased – and it bugged the crap out of me so much that I took like an exacto knife yeah. and I cut the plastic so that it wouldn't catch when I when I put the sleeve back on and it always oh, it always bothered me because it was like that was yeah it, it was I think I might actually still have that collection um but it it always bothered me that I had a slightly marred a, a less than mint condition back to the future yeah, DVD collection I uh, I gave my DVD, my Back to the Future DVD collection. I think I gave it to my dad. Nice. Which I kind of feel stupid about. I shouldn't have done that. But I have the Blu-rays. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Are you gonna get the special 30th edition, 30th anniversary Blu-ray? Oh. No, <laughs> no. I I I have to draw the line some places. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I have to. I, I will buy every, uh, every copy of Star Wars that ever comes out. I'll, I'll be that guy. But I, mm-hmm. man, I don't, I don't have to buy every single copy of Back to the Future. That's understandable. I, I want it just to have the complete collection. Cause it, as stupid as this sounds, I kind of want it to, uh, cause I, I want to have the cartoon. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oddly enough, um did you ever watch it? Do you remember it? Vague vague memories, like in incredibly vague memories. Um yeah, I'm the same. But I do remember seeing I, it. I remember the McDonald's toys more than anything. McDonald's or Burger oh, yeah. King toys more hmm. than anything, more than the show itself. Hmm. Um I go ahead. love this scene so much. Really? I mean, this m- multiple times used to give me chills when he would when he would <laughs> Right here. Uh, well, I'll shut up for a second so you can watch. <laughs> Biff's face. <laughs> Twitching. Oh, yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's my favorite scene. I love it. I, I can see. I can see it. Yeah. Um, the, he turns from kind of a cartoon villain, villain in the alternate 1985 to, uh, kind of a really, like it, it takes such a dark turn. I mean, he's just, yeah, he admitted to murdering George. <laughs> yep. And I love this, the, the brief return to the theme. Mm-hmm. We got to go back to 1955. I don't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'm a little hard on the animation of the flying of the of the hover. It's pretty good. I was just thinking the same thing. I yeah. Was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean that first scene in the in the beginning of the movie is a little rough, but everything else has been really solid in terms of the um, special effects. In uh, seeing this on Blu-ray is just really beautiful. Uh, it's a really really good looking transfer and everything. So this is coming to theaters, or this, I guess, will be in theaters today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am chaperoning a field trip. And so 
they're playing Back to the Future Part Two. I think it starts at seven, and I'm just I'm not sure I'll be able to make it. Ah. I'm gonna kick myself about it. Yeah, I the uh, here in Indianapolis they're having a double feature at the um, Indiana Museum of Art, uh, their amphitheater. Yeah, and uh, I want to go to it, but it's also during Heartland Film Festival, and I have I have plans for that. Gotcha. So, damn the luck. Yep, yeah, yeah. There will be other times. It's you know Keystone Art plays it a lot. Yeah. Um, for their Midnight Madness here in Indianapolis. Um, it's just too much. It's too much to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think that they're, I, I don't know. I'll probably, I'll probably end up watching it again on, you know, when it, on, on the date, uh, just for the novelty of having it in my, in my notes. But, um, it's, I mean, it's a movie I can watch whenever, really. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I have it on my iPad, I might, uh, I might bring it on the trip with me. Nice. It's a long drive up to Indy. I'll be in Indy, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Would you have time to hang out? Uh, no, I'll have students. Oh. Yeah. Well, they can learn all about the podcast. They can, but <laughs> if you wanted to come out and watch The Great Gatsby with us at the something, 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 <laughs> that'll be happening. Oh, well, that's cool. Um, I'll have Heartland. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Busy week. Um, so this scene, and it it also it was uh, similar in in the in the exposition dump scene uh, in alternate nineteen eighty five. But they do the um, classic Marty running them running in opposite directions to kind of give the impression that uh, Doc was a lot taller than Marty. Um, it's something yes. that they did in the first one. Yes, and uh, it's nice to see that kind of. Come back. Um, speaking of exposition dump, mm-hmm. these movies are so, so exposition heavy. And I think what works so well is that it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, oh, totally. It's The, the scripts are so tight. I, I'm so enthralled by the amount of setups and payoffs in it. I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a special feature on the Blu-rays that really, shows really you... Quick. Uh-huh. Look at what Biff is wearing right now. I wore that outfit last weekend. <laughs> right? I mean, you could see that guy dressed like that. Totally. Today. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah, that's such a good point. I'm Man, I'm yeah. I mean, you know, there's not really much else you can say about it. It's I mean, maybe fashion is cyclical a little bit, but it's insane, yeah. I mean, and it's so like it's so uniquely 1950s in in this in this movie too that yep. it's I don't know I think maybe that's just a universal fashion or timeless when fashion. You, when you hear Mr. Sandman, do you think of these movies or do you think of Halloween too? Uh, Halloween too. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You sound a little disappointed by that. I am because I I I'm I don't know. It's a happy song, and I'm a little. More tied to Back to the Future than I am to Halloween. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, that's kind of <laughs> you can almost uh, be angry at Halloween too for marring this this happy song, and that's I mean that's part yeah. of the reason why they did it. Right. Um, I mean it was brilliant, really, but but I don't know. Uh, this always I I think when I was a kid, so let's do that mm-hmm. again. 
Um, this all was always a little jarring to me, and and I didn't really say, oh, that's the 1955 he went to in the past, because mm-hmm. it's kind of a different angle on Hill Valley. It is, yeah, right. It's like a different side of the street. Yeah, if you wouldn't, if you, I mean, it it looks like it, it's yeah. There, it doesn't have the in in movies that mimic um, angles and, and mimic shots from from previous entries in in the franchise to have it go so much uh, to such an extreme where it's not mimicking something that they've already done. It's kind of jarring, uh, even though it's in a time span that they did. Maybe that's on purpose that they didn't, that they purposely didn't recreate shots because they already did it in the first one. Right. And that's uh, like in, I mean, this is more of a thing on the first one, but um, Biff's, fascination with Lorraine is is really really unsettling Locker, creepy yeah yeah for sure rapey rapey yeah yeah it's disturbing yeah but to your to your point uh it fits it fits the uh villain uh the villain of the 50s for him uh, yeah i to- like i said i totally believe this guy is a villain i, I as a villain oh yeah And he's just fantastic in that role too. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I I always like as a kid when I saw this, I always thought like, on one hand, I I think I always wanted to think like, oh, I would love to I would love to have like a connection to to my own car that uh, like only I can start it, and then. <laughs> Yeah, it's something just dumb like that. But that means your car is broken. Exactly. Yeah, and like I was, <laughs> that was my next thing. Was that nowadays it's like, oh, okay, I need to buy. I need to. I need to spend money. Yeah. Exactly. So I hope I don't have that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I always felt like this scene was so long. He's got to wait in this garage for so long. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Every major sports event. See, that's there's not enough space. <laughs> well, major sports event like does that mean the winners uh like you know, there is only 30 World Series winners. You know, yeah. Uh, major sports events like like championships and stuff like that. That I could buy that, but I mean Later in the movie, when they're in their car, they're they're going through college football scores on the radio. That is true. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future Part Two held the record for the largest five-day Thanksgiving weekend opening ever, at forty-three million dollars. Huh. huh. It was unseated uh, by one hundred and one Dalmatians seven years later. Nice little tidbit. Of trivia, yeah, and there uh, they just pull up a random uh, college game. Is it random though, or is it a bowl bowl game? I have no idea. Um, it would be back in November 1955. Do they have bowls in 1955 or in no, in November? Usually December-ish, January. I thought so. January mostly.
I would love to have that prop, though. I would love to have that on the on my bookcase. Yeah. Oh, I'd like a replica. You mean... Of it. I mean, I would like to just have a replica of that. Just for fun. Oh, right, yeah. Or is that what you meant? That's what I meant, yeah. Oh. I thought you meant that actual prop. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, man, that would be so expensive. <laughs> I wonder where, like I wonder 30 if... bucks? <laughs> yeah, like 30, 30 bucks. Sure. I wonder if it's at, um, where it is, like, like, who has it now, like if it's at, like, Planet Hollywood or something, or a uh, Hard Rock Cafe or do something you, like that. Do you like know. Marty's inconspicuous outfit? <laughs> um, I do. How did he pick this? What it, what's the reference there? I, I don't know. I think he's going for, like, a 50s noir detective noir, private dick kind of thing yeah i <laughs> one thing that i always i always loved was the way that they like the way the doc is holding the walkie-talkie he's like has it pressed to his cheek and like the like the antenna is getting bent and everything i i love the <laughs> the frenetic energy that they bring to just talking into the talking into yeah. the walkie-talkies it's like that in the physical the physicality of handling the sports almanac it's it, there are little flourishes to the acting in these in these scenes, like these little uh, physical touches yes. to him that the, really. The fact that it's rolled up in his back pocket just feels so mm, substantial or something. Yeah, you know? totally. It's something you don't. I, I I don't know. I just I connect to it so much and just the physicality of it. Is this a really nice car? If you were a car guy, would you be like, oh, that car? Biff's car? Biff's car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, classic, classic car. Nice, uh, paint job. Uh, <laughs> history with, uh. Nice paint job. So you're telling me you have no idea? I have no clue. No clue at all. But, um, it does have a history and future with manure. So that, True. that lowers it a little bit. Yeah. This is that's basically what this commentary is. I just go, I love this. <laughs> right. That's really any commentary track though. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, I look really good in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> this shoot was long. I don't know. <laughs> they talk about people you you don't know. Right. I do like a good commentary track though. I need to listen to more. By the way, pause for station identification. You're listening to The Obsessive Viewer yes. with Matt and Tiny featuring Mike in a returning. Right. I don't know how you want to say that. <laughs> Have you listened to the podcast at all lately? Uh, no. In okay. fact, I have listened to no podcasts lately. Wow. I, on, yeah, on the drive to and from work, uh, I've been listening to audiobooks for class just to get oh. Through those, yeah. Well, that's smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's smart, but it's not super fun. I can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it seems like every single episode I'm saying, like, I if I if I reference you in any way, it's like, it's like, uh, oh yeah, Mike said that, and then I'd be like, Mike is our co-host who's on sabbatical from the podcast. Um, like every single time. <laughs> yeah. They know. Yep, yep. Thank you guys for listening. It's good to it's good to be here talking to you guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Wait, are you thanking the listeners for listening? Or thanking the listeners. Yes. Forget Thank you, you. listeners. <laughs> That's another thing. Ever after you left the podcast, that I, I, um, I, I just never thank the listeners. I never consider the listeners. So Doc Brown and Doc Brown. Yeah. This scene I thought was uh, very charming. I, I kind of love this this scientific bond between the two. Like one has no idea who the other is, but. I just I like that dynamic. I think it's I think it's a sweet scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I love just the obvious, you know, costume choices and things that they do just to just to make sure that you know which is which. Yeah. I love that he keeps forgetting it too. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst with it. Um, that the the jazz music that plays in the in the um, at the dance that's that I identify so much with with Back to the Future. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm a. <laughs> uh, see, that is a shot from the first Back to the Future. Right. But when we cut to it and it's not through the thing, through the glasses, that is Jeffrey Wiseman in mm. prosthetics. And I think that that might also be a big reason why he got litigious with it, because they actually used footage that he shot. Uh huh. <laughs> I love that it's perfect the same size. Yeah. <laughs> so Very is convenient. it Yeah, is it actual is it like porn or is it I think it's a porno. Okay. Yeah. 50s porn. 50s porn. Yeah. Speaking of 50s porn, did you hear about Playboy? I did. Um It's crazy. It it is crazy and it's funny because uh, I mean, I'm surprised that it's 2015 and they haven't like this is for context. They just announced that they are dropping nude pictures from the magazine. I'm surprised that they waited this long because who? It's another. It goes back to another thing with, uh, like us being in high school at the time that we were in high school and our adolescence at the time that we were adolescents. Um, kind of an in between thing, you know. Magazines, porn magazines were on the way out, and yeah. now it's you know decade or so later and they're really almost non-existent in the cultural consciousness yeah from what i understand i don't know i'm a wholesome person i don't um patronize pornography i'm sure um, yeah <laughs> although i did see a banner about some hot singles in my area though on a website so oh yeah yeah i mean what, you know um what website was that again um, I'll tell you off the air, but when I clicked it, gotcha. my computer just exploded, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been there? Right. <laughs> yeah, Strickland is, uh, he's okay. Still there. Does, are, do you, 
um, still, after several viewings of this movie, feel the tension every time he goes up to grab the magazine. It's not. It doesn't happen all the time. You still do? I do. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely still there. Um. Yeah, Strickland's just kind of one note um, throughout. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I do like that tie, though. Oh, yeah. Sharp dresser, that Strickland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, uh, his onesie pajama onesie that he had. In the, <laughs> right. Uh, alternate 1985. <laughs> Can you imagine being in Marty's position right here? He's not only... He's <laughs> there's something to be said about his psychiatric well-being in this in this uh in that in that scene where he passes by the car because he's yeah. reliving like he's he's forcing to relive or, or um uh spectate briefly a scene that is going to scar him that that is already and must scar him um from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's just an interesting uh interesting bit of trauma to add to this to this experience for for Marty. so people play a lot with the theories of time travel in this movie usually they <laughs> stick with the first one and um one of the possibilities is kind of a multiverse thing like every time he every time he time travels so i guess i should say just for clarity every instance in which he time travels um, he creates a new alternate universe. So essentially, um, the Marty McFly that we meet in the beginning of the movie never returns to his timeline. So there is a universe that exists without an original Marty McFly, and mm-hmm. his parents are just upset, right? Right. But we know now that if the time machine brings him back to the very same 1955 that the old version of him attended before, uh, then obviously that can't be the case. Otherwise, why, why would he have gone back to that specific 1985 or 1955? Does that make sense? Right. Like, um, so are you saying that he never goes back to the same 1955? Wait, that's not much. Well, that's a possibility of the first one, but now, now he does go to the same. Right. It's a little inconsistent. Um, it's inconsistent if that's what you believed in the first one, but there's right. no, I mean, there's no defining, um, there's no rule book to the time travel in these <laughs> movies. Yeah, that's true. There, there are of course suggestions, but I, uh, you know, until I thought hard about the second one, I always, I always thought, and I always made the joke, you know, that the original Marty went back in time, uh, and left that universe, that plane of existence, right? Mm-hmm. I just, We'll, we'll, we'll say that the time machine even created a new one, right? Created a new timeline. Mm-hmm. That old timeline still exists. Uh, and so, by the way, this is Jeffrey Wiseman in the background. Ah. So he's in original 1955, or he's in original 1985, excuse me. It's getting late. <laughs> he travels to 1955, but a different 1955. One that is similar to the one that originally happened, but uh, is different. So he affects it, and then he goes to the future, but he could be then again creating yet another future or going to that 
1955's future. Right. Right? Except that if we get to this one and he has gone back into the past and there is a Marty there, you kind of think it'd have to be the same timeline, right? Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of it's kind of weird. It's it's mind boggling. It's <laughs> it's so it's so confusing. It's it's I don't know. It, it it's a weird it's a weird brain exercise. I, I don't know how else to really play off of it. <laughs> it's just it's it's weird. Like when you think of that, like um them going back to fix alternate 1985 and then leaving Jennifer there. Like they say, like it'll change around her and everything. But I mean, you know, you could sort of think of it as her dying there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What else is he in? I mean, he's, a, he's kind of a character actor. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I've ever really seen him in anything, but I just love the, the repetition of him saying, um, I think he took his wallet. Um, I just, I don't know something about it. Just, I, I just get a kick out of it every time. We haven't talked about Billy Zane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't really need to, but we can't. <laughs> I kind of wish there was a little more with the DeLorean in this one. Why is that? Just, uh, you know, the first movie kind of ends with, you know, them showing like, uh, what does, yeah, the, the hover, uh, hovering and everything, but you don't really, you don't really see the DeLorean do much of anything else except for fly around. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it, it's nitpicking at best, but. I mean, it's such an icon of the first movie that I kind of wish it was a little bit more integral to the plot, I guess. But we'll get that in the third one, so. (laughs) The way he... I think that was Billy Zane that did the. How do you change his clothes so fast? Like the way he del- I think it was, delivers that. Uh, I yeah. think it was 3D. Was the one who said that. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, whichever one it was, but I like the delivery of that. Um, how do you change his clothes so fast? <laughs> Again, Doc I love with this. the. I love, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to comment on Doc with the walkie-talkie. Yeah. I love that the tension is back. Oh yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same. Uh, it's the. Uh, I mean, that's the same climax here, and mm. and it's still intense. I just love it. And that's really, uh, that's really what I, I. That's probably one of the biggest things that I connect to with this franchise is that each movie kind of takes takes the. Um, I, th- I think he took his wallet, <laughs> but it, it takes. It takes such a uh, careful, uh, careful look at the at the drama of it or the suspense of it, and it, it kind of each movie has its climax where the stakes are just ridiculously high, and the tension uh-huh. mounts in such a satisfying way. Like it's it's really 
by my by my count, probably perfect tension building and execution of 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 that and suspense in it. It's just so beautifully constructed in each movie, um, and things keep going wrong <laughs> so often, and I love it because it doesn't seem like um, it doesn't seem cheap or gimmicky or anything. It's like it's just things keep going wrong and just generally it seems organic um yeah i love it you could say um that this movie is similar to empire strikes back in that it is the second installment of a trilogy Mm -hmm. and that it is darker notably darker Mm -hmm. uh it ends on uh, a down note, much the way Empire Strikes Back does. So you, someone who I think identifies more with the Back to the Future trilogy than the Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, do you have a preference? Uh, over Back to this the Future movie Part and Two. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Back to the Future Part Two. For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, I do have a stronger preference for the Back to the Future trilogy than I do the original Star Wars trilogy. That's just, I, I, I just connect to it more, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I prefer, well, uh, yeah, I, I prefer Back to the Future Part Two over over Empire Strikes Back. I'll go on record and say that. Interesting. Yeah, you being the <laughs> this might be a dumb question, but I'll throw it back yeah. at you. Uh, Empire or Back to the Future Part Two. Oh, uh, a thousand times Empire for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said early on, I, I think I think there is so much to like about this movie, but just uh, the 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 premise of the whole thing kind of takes it down several pegs, and I think that in a lot of ways, Empire is an improvement over Star Wars. So, sure. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It is interesting that that is an interesting parallel that you draw between Back to the Future Part Two and Empire. Um, yeah, kind of just second installments in in general kind of seem kind of prone to that type of uh, narrative structure, I guess, or or those um, those certain beats that right. are common between these two movies. Right. Um, I mean, it's effective. <laughs> There's Jeffrey Wiseman again. Hmm. And we get another chicken line. Yeah, this is the the third time? I believe so. Yeah. Was it Needles was the other one? Calls him a chicken? <laughs> yeah, I just love that resolution of that scene. But, uh... Yeah, uh, the I don't remember the first ones. The the composition of that shot is is interesting. The framing, mm-hmm. uh, the way uh, original Marty, old Marty goes kind of off to the left, uh, and then Biff follows him, but then comes back. But the camera does a little weird pan but kind of stops with the door in the middle right Um, and i think the reason i pointed out is because if i remember correctly there's a it's a weird pan and scan moment on full screen oh okay i can see that i mean of course the first several times i saw this movie was was uh full screen right 
with uh, cut and splice, pan and scan stuff. Yeah. So I still <laughs> still remember a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and it's funny, like the door kind of st- sticking in the middle of the frame like that. I mean, it's clear because it's because it's you know compositing you know both uh, uh, Michael J. Fox's um, performances on on the screen at once. Right. But I right. do like the framing of that, even if it's yeah. strictly for that. Here we come to one of my favorite parts of the entire movie, though the suspense of of Marty with the hoverboard trying to get the sports almanac. I something about it. It's like you don't need like um, a a proper chase sequence, but this is uh, when you have something like this because this is just as suspenseful as anything else. Like the stakes have been established and. We know what Biff's capable of and what he's going to be capable of, so it's imperative that they get the sports almanac. It's just, I don't know. I just, I love the suspense of of this entire sequence. And yeah, I don't like the decision to kill Marty though in this scene. Kill Marty? <laughs> just, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just being silly. Yeah, I don't condone the uh, reading. Uh, reading while driving. Um, yeah. Yeah. He would be a texter and driver. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Now he believes. Marty kind of has kind of a non-violent approach to Biff in general. Yeah. Um, Because you would think they would just, you know, I mean, there's two of them. There's Marty and Doc. Why not just, you know, distract them somehow? Knock them out. Yeah. But it's a family movie. Yep. Very little violence. In fact, I think they've wiped the blood off of his nose and face. Oh, yeah. It's also got cleavage. Yep. <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not a big technical kind of guy, but uh, when you're doing a commentary, it kind of asks you to do that kind of work. No, maybe it's still right. a little there. Uh, it looks like it's been, it's been wiped off, and maybe that's a... Um, maybe a continuity error. It's a bit error. homicidal. A little bit, yeah. Uh, a little bit. Because I don't know if he ever really wants to kill Marty. I mean, that definitely could have killed him. It could have, but... I don't know. I love this. Oh, yeah. that's Oh, that's so great. And I love that the manure truck... That theme. Yeah, uh, go ahead. The, the theme, you know, when he flips over the car... Oh, yeah, the, like, triumphant... The theme. Yeah, it's yeah. so... Tr- thank you. That's the word. It mm-hmm. is triumphant. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I love... Obviously, I love Star Wars, and I love the score in there, and I point to that as as one of my favorites. But I really don't know if there's one that gives me chills at the opportune moments 
more than the the main title theme from Back to the Future. Absolutely. And just the way they drop it in, it's so uh, triumphant. Oh, yeah. I was going to comment on it. And it's funny because the way that I'm watching it right now is I have the sound off and I have uh, subtitles enabled and everything. But I can I can hear it. Like, I can hear it as clear as day in my head when that scene yep. happens at the exact cue. Yep. yep. It's so perfect. Um, and I love that the manure truck is a uh, callback to the same company. It's uh, D. Jones. Which yeah. I think is a reference to a crew member. Uh, I'm not sure though. How did you how did you feel about the I hate manure kind of catchphrase thing? Uh oh, it's in his mouth. <laughs> uh it's it's another did, does he actually say I hate manure in the first one? Uh, that's a good question. I feel like he did, but maybe I'm just thinking of this one. Yeah, we might be projecting again. Yeah. I feel like that line in this one's pretty iconic, though. Yeah. I. Uh, this scene. I, yeah. I love every line delivery that, uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd makes. Oh, yeah. In the, in the entire series. Mm-hmm. Every delivery. <laughs> he's, he's magnificent. I like the the lighting effects and everything of the, of the storm and the lightning and everything. Um, how do you feel about the end of the first movie when Biff becomes kind of a the auto detailing guy and he's yeah, the, employed his castration? Yeah, not not even so much that. Just the fact that. Um, George would, George and Lorraine would hire him to detail their car when, you know, he tried to, he assaulted her in high school. Like, like you would think that that kind of, um, history would breed a lot of bad blood and maybe not be the most conducive to forgiveness years later. Right. right. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff that feels really like, uh, what's the word? Almost inbred. You know, it's so self-contained yeah. and, um, uh, what is the word I want to use? Maybe incestuous, just that the, maybe, the, you know, it takes place in California and it takes place over the span of 60 years, yet, uh, it, all of these things keep happening to these small people. Like, you know, you asking why, why would the guy who was the bully be the guy who detailed their car? That just right. seems so convenient. It seems so, um, it's, it feels constrained to a movie set. Right. And I mean, Hill Valley is a small community, it seems. So that's true. That's true. So I, I um, guess it makes sense, but it makes sense. And you know, that said, uh, I don't know. It's fun, I guess. Yeah. The uh, hearing, um, 
Crispin Glover's argument about the end of the first one. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Crispin Glover is so wacky and right. he's so, <laughs> he's so bothersome to me in so many ways, but, mm-hmm. um, I see a lot of, I see a lot of his point. I see a lot of what he's trying to say. Yeah, I can you know d- about how you know money. Yeah, money materialistic. Kind of materialistic, yeah. and George is kind of a dick by the end of it. Why? Why would? <laughs> yeah. Why would he give a, a a taste of your own medicine kind of thing? I don't right. Know. I, I I can see why that would bo- be bothersome. Yeah, I, totally. I, I can totally see his point. This ending is so. So good. I, I love it so much. I, Me too. Yeah. And the way that this guy delivers his lines is, he's so, he's so, he's so adversarial. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like Marty, uh, being conspicuous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the kind of, not campy, but kind of noir-esque, like, uh, like I got something for you. Yeah. I, Love, love the idea that this move, this envelope has been sitting there for 70 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. This, that, thinking about this, especially even when I was little and kind of toyed around with the thought of time travel in my head, mm-hmm. this is the one that really, uh, flew me for a loop and really, like, I understood the idea of Doc leaving something and it being 70 years for him. But strange and instant for Marty. I just love that idea. Right. It's like in Bill and Ted where they leave the keys for themselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, something that just blew my mind here. First time ever uh, noticing this or realizing this. The guy who delivers it is uh, Joe Fla- uh, Flaherty. Fla- uh, I can't pronounce that crap. Flaherty. What's that? Flaherty. Flaherty. There you go. Um, he's the he's the dad in in uh, the Freaks and Geeks, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, that just that blows my mind, and he's in a lot of stuff. But yeah, I don't I don't I never I don't know why I never connected that. Seeing this emulated in an um, in an episode of Family Guy makes me wish that they would do a a parody of the entire trilogy like they did with Star Wars. With uh, yeah. Star Wars, yeah. Uh. And this is just to say, you know, they're back in back in the climax. It's just to say, hey, remember this? It was awesome, right? <laughs> Hey, you loved this. <laughs> this this faint coming up, I can buy. Um, <laughs> I can buy yeah. Doc fainting at this yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah. So he goes into that movie theater, the movie theater theater that is playing the Atomic Kid. <laughs> By the way, I like that. That's a nice touch. It worked. <laughs> 88 miles per hour. Well done, Doc. I love the effect of the fire on the ground. Me too. 
Oh, it's so so great. And the shock of, of finding him, of him being back. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Put him back from the future. I'm back from the future. <laughs> oh, that gives me chills. Me, me too. Ah, such a great movie. To be concluded. Um, man. Ah, uh, I love this movie. Yep. How, do, how do you feel about the little tacked on uh, teaser for part three? I don't like it. I don't like the teaser. Yeah. It's I mean, a weird... It, it seems a little too TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think it shows a little too much. I mean, of course, there would have been trailers that would have come out, and we know that Marty and Doc are going to meet back up, but um, it's odd. It's odd. It's weird. For a movie that, um, you know, the Back to the Future Part Two is is also it spoils the ending. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but well, I mean, you know, it's whatever. But um, for a movie that with Back to the Future Part Two, with a movie that has uh, three distinct parts and time periods and everything. Um, cutting to uh, a sequence of of old west them in the old west and everything is a little is a little jarring as well because you just have I mean you just you just have a little it's a little excessive um, in terms of different eras I guess yeah yeah how do you rank uh? I mean, uh, uh, let's not rank them because obviously first is the best. But which do you like right. better, two or three? Um, two, without without a doubt. Um, really? Yeah. For the longest time, I agreed with you. I I, uh, and even before I knew you, I agreed. With you. <laughs> um, but but I I I love the way three ties everything up. And I've also, I think since playing, honestly, since playing Red Dead Redemption, I've, I've grown like this new <laughs> affinity for the West. I can, I can see that. I can, I can respect that for sure. Um, as a standalone movie, I think the third one is, is very, very good. Um, but I think it's also, it's also the, not least connected, but it's the most, it's the most jarring movie. Um, because yeah. it's so, it's so aesthetically different. Um, and I think that's what I like. I, it's hmm. uh, it's very different. It stays there the whole time. It doesn't go through the same beats that we've seen before. It 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 feels different. It feels it feels with a purpose, and I like that. Sure. A lot. Okay. I mean, there's there's still a lot of um, genuine like uh, or uh, a lot of callbacks to it too. So um, throughout it, but it uh, you're right. It does kind of strike a different. Um, sequence of events like i guess it does differentiate itself in a franchise that's so so built around callbacks and 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 you know inside references yeah yeah um anything else we should we should wrap up for for this for this commentary i feel like we should we already ranked them so 
Yeah. We ranked them. We've we talked about how it felt um to see 2015 on screen, yeah. which I I still think is just so cool. There's not another movie I can think of where there's a date that far into the future that gives us an actual date that we can say on this day this is the depiction of this day it's a, right. it's a cool idea oh absolutely i'm glad that we got to do this that um yeah for sure yeah i uh it was kind of just a not last minute thing but just kind of a i had a bunch of ideas for back to the future something to celebrate it but this was just yeah. kind of came up out of you know out of nowhere so i'm glad we did it um, I dig it. Good yeah. plan. Oh yeah. Uh, and then well, we'll have to do wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do more commentaries. Then you'll have to come back full time. Oh, yeah. um, well, for sure. I'd love <laughs> to do some commentaries. Nice. And I'll and I'll be back eventually. Right. I'm still holding you to that for sure. I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh. Yeah. So thanks for listening to this commentary track of. Back to the Future Part Two in honor of Back to the Future Day. Um, yeah, any anything anything? Uh, oh, Chris McGlover was credited. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but anyway, um, this has been a special presentation of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, which is a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, whether it's a genre, trope, movie, or show. Um, you can find more more of our work at ovpodcast.com and also find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and also there's a subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer um yeah anything else anything else not that i can think of cool be back on for one of these uh thank you guys for listening yeah thanks for listening guys and uh let us know what you think